Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Lonnie over here again. Sure, glad to have you with us. We're continuing on from, from last time. I hope you were with us last time. I'll pass it over to Jeff. Glad to have you again. We have our guest, uh, Brother Paul Moffat from New Zealand. Hi. And we are just uh, thrilled. We had an exceptional uh, conversation with him. I trust you got to view that. He found that God had sent an absolute in this day, a north star, an umpire, mm -hmm. uh, a final word, a thus saith the Lord, of which, of course, Brother Lonnie and myself has embraced as well, in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ through a prophet in this last day. And when he came to the understanding of that absolute, then at the same time, he realized that if that prophet said, kick the television out, then there's a reason for that. Maybe in the Bible, he couldn't say, he couldn't read a scripture that says, uh, kick the TV out. But he could go to Psalms and it says, I'll set no evil thing before mine eyes. And there's many other scriptures. And the prophet was told by the angel of the Lord not to have a television in his home. And that the very minds of the people, would, um, a blast would be set for the minds of the people uh, by television and by Hollywood and by the magazines. And, and, the, and this was back in the 1960s, by the way, when mm. television was fairly tame. And now today it is wicked. It is unbelievably wicked. And Brother Paul preached a message in our assembly a week ago or two, maybe that's been three weeks ago, and that is, is that you are what you look at. You are what you behold. Of course, we can look at that in the television. Look what people are feeding on and look what they're becoming. Mm. And uh, I, I really appreciated uh, his sermon. And so we're going to ask Brother Paul maybe just to elaborate a little bit on that concept because, see, we're feeding on a word. We're beholding a word right. that's transforming our lives. The world is feeding on the world. Mm. And it's, it's conforming them to uh, a terrible, terrible uh, image that they're living way below their privileges, way below their God-given rights, way below where God would want them to have. So you are what you look at. Mm. I think that's a great concept, Brother Paul. It is. It is. Uh, and I... I think the greatest thing that this message has done for me, that the Word of God has done for me as a Christian is it's really restored my identity mm -hmm. as a Christian to know what I am, to know who I am, to know where I came from, to know where I'm going, mm -hmm. to know what I'm here for. <laughs> These things are, 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 are vital things to us, I really believe. I believe we're living in a day and an age of identity crisis where man has lost the plot, woman have lost, lost the plot. Yep. Uh, the elderly folk, uh, teenagers, children, they've all lost the picture. They've lost the plot. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they are. And they're looking around to try and find that. And I truly believe that for a son of God, for a daughter of God, for a Christian, there's only one way or only one place we can look. There's only one way we can look. And that is in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. I had an experience with some Mormon missionaries that knocked on my door one time and they gave me a book of Mormon and, and asked me to read it and pray about it and they said that uh, if it was true God would be a witness to that truth I'd feel a, a warm sensation, a warm feeling and uh, they left me the book, they, they went away, they came back a week later, they said did you read? And I said yeah I read different passages of your book. They said did you pray the way that we asked you to pray? I said no I didn't. They said, why not? I said, because I said, I can make myself feel that warm feeling. Mm -hmm. I can do that for myself. <laughs> right. 
Uh, I said, there's no, no scripture, there's no evidence that a warm feeling is the evidence that, 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 that we are what we are. And I said, you know, the things that you're bringing me, the things that you're offering me, I said, I already understand who I am. I know what I am. I know what I'm here for. I know where I came from. And uh, I know what's taking place around me. You, try, you, you don't actually have anything to offer me. Mm -hmm. I already understand those things mm -hmm. uh, by the word of God. And I, I took a wedding in my home church a few years ago. And you know, I prayed and I asked the Lord just to give me something that would help, that would be a wedding type service. And I went back to the book of Genesis and uh, how God brought Adam and brought Eve uh, into existence and the order. And we know that uh, Adam was a spirit man at the end of Genesis 1 before he became a flesh man in Genesis 2. And God really put the spirit man in the flesh man and he became a living soul in that way. But now the order and the way that the woman came, that was a different thing. That was a different order. There was a different order of expression. And Adam was lonely in himself. And uh, God was giving, I believe, Adam a, a taste of what it was like to be God in that loneliness. Mm -hmm. God brought all the animals before him and Adam named them, but the animals came two by two by two. Mm -hmm. And Adam was, I think Adam was stunned with the realization that he was not two by two. Right. And he was looking and not only was he, was he naming those animals, but I believe he was looking for his other half. Yeah, mm -hmm. And the other half was as yet a mystery. And uh, God had means to, uh, to break that mystery to Adam and Amen. to take away that feeling of Amen. loneliness. That's exactly right. And so at the appointed time, God laid him out. He put him to sleep in a, in a perfect parallel of Jesus at Calvary. Amen. And God went into that man and he took the rib of the man. And from that rib, he, he formed the body of the woman. And then he went back into the spirit part, not the flesh part, but the spirit part of the man, and he took out every attribute that was in there already that pertained to the feminish part, maybe the gentler part and, mm. and the things that we know that the woman has that the man doesn't have. <laughs> and he put those attributes within that, f that, that flesh body of the woman, and then he woke her up. Now, the order Brother Jeff, that God brought the woman into uh, knowledge or into existence was different. And, and uh, Adam, I don't believe he was really temptable the way that we would know temptation right. in this body because he understood what he was. He knew who he was. Mm -hmm. He came from the mind of God in a certain order. Mm -hmm. And Satan couldn't tempt him. There's nothing that Satan could bring to him mm -hmm. that would tempt him or cause him to fall. Mm -hmm. But now the woman, I believe that she woke up on that first morning a little bit different than how Adam was mm -hmm. because she came in a different order. And I just sort of dramatized this at the wedding. I said, now she as a woman woke with an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. and she had these questions, questions in her heart that maybe every single human has had at one time, mm -hmm. maybe that every single teenager is going through right now. And they're questions pertaining to her identity. Mm -hmm. Who am I? What am I? What is my name? Mm -hmm. Where did I come from? Mm -hmm. did, I, did I happen here by chance? Is there a purpose to my existence? Is there a role that I'm here to fulfill? And she didn't know those things. Mm. 
And I dramatized it in church. I dramatized it in the wedding. I said that God maybe took her on a scenic tour of the earth. And she started looking around at the, at, the, at the glory of creation and the things that God had laid out, the things that God had done. But with this question on her heart, where did I come from? And maybe she beheld the, the celestial uh, bodies, the sun and the stars and looked out into space with this question or with this longing to know where is my origin? Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I've been, since I've been in the States, I went to the Armstrong Space Museum and I've seen uh, the probes that have gone out and the rocket ships and to the moon and, mm-hmm. and beyond the moon and out into the solar system and the signals that are being beamed out there. Is there anybody out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe that man is uh, trying to answer the same question that Eve had herself. Is that where we came from? Did we come from other planets? Did we come from the stars? Did we come from other galaxies? And man spending not just thousands or hundreds of thousands, but millions of dollars in order to answer this question, mm-hmm. to, solve the, to solve the question of man's identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And there's billions of dollars that could have been spent in better uh, avenues to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. Mm-hmm. But man is not wanting to not wanting to acknowledge that he came from God, not wanting to acknowledge a scriptural creation. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to find an answer that suits his theology. Mm -hmm. But there was no answer for Eve there. Mm -hmm. So maybe she kept on walking and she looked at the ponds and she looked at nature and the natural creation on the earth now and maybe saw a tadpole and a frog. And, you know, God manifested creation through those six days in Genesis 1 in a certain order. Mm -hmm. Not evolution as we know it, but there was an evolution of creation. Mm-hmm. And from maybe the, from, from, from an amoeba or a single cell, and, and then God created the frog, and he came through the fish, the marine life, and mm-hmm. the bird life, and then through the animal kingdom, and God is building all the way up until the pinnacle of his creation was man. Mm-hmm. It was only man of all the animals that was created in God's own likeness mm-hmm. and after man's image. And man alone had that soul part, that part in the Holy of Holies, in the, in, the, in the inner part that was really part of the nature of God. Amen. And so maybe she was looking through the animal kingdom. Maybe she was looking as she saw God's great coming up into the, uh, the monkey and the chimpanzee. And if I can say this, even into the, even into the, the serpent, what right. scientists are looking for, that missing link. She's looking for her identity. Mm-hmm. Maybe asking the question, well, did I just evolve? Mm-hmm. Did I just come from that to that to that? And after hundreds and thousands and millions and, and, and millions of years, just end up as a human? And you could say, Brother Jeff, well, nobody would believe that. Nobody would believe a, that sort of story. But yet evolution, that very premise, is being taught in our schools mm-hmm. all around the world. Mm-hmm. Why? Darwin's origin of species because man wants to know where he came from Mm -hmm. and he won't acknowledge God so he's looking through science and he's looking through education and man's wisdom to see where did I come from? Did I come from the animal kingdom? And I just, I put it like this that that God was not happy for the woman to have that identity identity crisis. Mm -hmm. He wanted to solve that and in order for her to know who she truly was he had to bring her to something that could answer those problems mm-hmm. and those questions. And the scripture says that God brought the woman to the man. Amen. 
And, she brought, and God brought her sovereignly to the one now that could answer every question that she had about herself, that could solve her identity crisis. Amen. And the question of, of and, and the answer was not a doctrine. The answer wasn't a church. The answer wasn't a teaching. A the answer wasn't a, a creed Amen. or a dogma. The answer was a person. Hallelujah. And the answer was Adam. Amen. And the answer was Adam because that was her source. That was her origin. That was where God expressed her out from mm -hmm. and manifested her from. Mm -hmm. And now every question that she had concerning herself, where did I come from? Why it was answered in the man. Mm -hmm. What is my name? It was answered in the man. His name was Adam. Mm -hmm. Her name originally was Adam. Mm -hmm. It only became Eve after the fall. Mm -hmm. What am I here for? That was answered in the man. What, what, what is my nature? What is my likeness? It was answered in the man. Mm. So every, and, and in looking, and as she continued to look, her identity crisis, her amnesia, if we could use those, mm -hmm. that, those words, her amnesia was, uh, was able to be lifted off her. Mm -hmm. And I just say, you know, I made a journey, a pil pilgrimage, and I visited here, and I looked here, and I wandered here, but God had to bring me back to the Word. God had to bring me back to an original message for me in, in order to remove my amnesia, take away my, amnesia, my identity crisis, for me to fully Hallelujah. see and recognize who that's I beautiful. am. Because that's where I came from. Hallelujah. This word, we were expressed out of Christ, we were expressed out of this Bible, we were expressed out of this message, and within Him, not a teaching, not a denomination, not a school of thought, but a person. Hallelujah. And in that was the shedding of my identity crisis. Not like that, because when the sun comes up, it doesn't go from dark to dawn, just like, or from dark to, to full light, just mm -hmm. like that. But right. there's an unveiling and a gradual taking away of my amnesia. I was uh, sitting in a restaurant, and this has happened many times, and I'm sure it's happened to you too. I've got five kids, three daughters, and two sons. And I would have people, particularly from the older generation, that uh, had seen holiness, mm -hmm. seen purity, and of which most of that is fading away in the United States. And they would come up to our table. The first question they would ask, because there was five kids, was, is, are you all one family or are you a blended family? And I'd say, well, by God's grace, we're just one family. These are all my kids, and this is my wife for 22 years. And then they would, the, the older lady would come up to my daughter and say, your hair is beautiful. And the older man, this, we were sitting in a restaurant and he gave all my children a dollar bill and he said, don't ever change. Mm -hmm. And I saw that they were gripped by their purity and they said, and he came to me and says, I congratulate you. I said, sir, I said, I have to tell you, it's not what I have done, it's what I'm feeding on. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. I said, Jesus Christ, the word in this last day has been unveiled and I didn't just pick up my Bible and read it, but I have seen Jesus Christ in full display. And that life has so gripped me, it transformed my life, my wife's life, and it's transforming my children's life. So it is, you are what you feed on, or you are what you behold. Mm. So you might ask yourself, television audience, what are you feeding on? Well, right now you're feeding on the Word of God, and, and I guarantee it's doing something for you. You heard Brother Paul just give a beautiful illustration of beholding the face of Jesus. 
and we're not looking through a glass darkly anymore. Right. We're, we, we are able to behold the face of Jesus, not in obscurity with Luther or, or Wesley. They're, they're, those were truths, but now all those truths blended together to see Christ in his fullness. And that is not a doctrine, as Brother Paul said, it is a person. We're feeding on the very life of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. And then he said, learn of me. And he didn't say doctrine. He said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and, and, and I'll release you from your burdens if your burdens are heavy. And so the apostles, the disciples, saw a man when they walked up the road, and Jesus the king was rejected, and he was weeping. And the two sons of Zebedee said, would to God that we call fire out of heaven as did Elisha? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. For I didn't come to destroy the world, but to save the world. So the sons of Zebedee didn't just conceive a doctrine. They saw a life on right. display. This man was weeping for the sins of the people. He was their rejected king. And the disciples got to view a life. We in this last day have had the honor and the privilege to view a life. We have 1,100 sermons of Brother Branham. We have videos of that prophet where you can see the very... A son of man perfectly and beautifully revealing the son of man as he discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart, as he, as he opens the blinded eyes, as God uses him to heal the sick and seven times raise the dead. The pillar of fire, the very, very logos of God was with that prophet wherever he went. It was filmed and uh, it was seen. We have it in photograph form today. Perhaps we can show it for you uh, on this presentation. We have been privileged. We are not taking you. Brother Lonnie, myself, Brother Paul, we're not taking you to another church. We're not sending you to another denomination. We're wanting you to meet the person, Jesus Christ, in the unfolding of his word. And that man handed my little girls a dollar bill, my little boys a dollar bill, and he says, don't ever change. But what he saw was a life on display. I was a long-haired, dope-smoking hippie out of California. But when I walked into the church in Tucson, Arizona, and I saw long hair on the women and short hair on the men. Something down here, even though I had long hair, something down here said, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Women were women, and men were men. That's the way it used to be. It's mm -hmm. because this nation was a godly nation, a God-fearing nation. When Eve woke up, and she went through her time of revelation, she finally met the bone of her bone, the flesh of her flesh, and the life of her life. And that's what this word is that we're feeding on. It's not just theology. In fact, it's so, it's so far removed from that. It's the very person of Jesus Christ. I can't help but think of the parallel scriptures where it says we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, mm -hmm. exactly like Eve was created in Adam. Right. And that Eve, just like Paul brought out, Eve had to come out of Adam. And so we find that the true church, the true believer, comes out of Christ. But to, to make that a little bit clearer, viewing audience, if, let's take it this way. Over here, there's, there was a, a portion of this Bible was lived out in the book of Genesis by Adam and Eve and, and a bunch of descendants. And then we get over a little further and we find the kings of Israel living out their portion of the book. And then David and Solomon are coming on over and they've lived out their portion 
and a lot of it now is, is history for us to draw from. Then we come over to the New Testament, and Jesus of Nazareth lived out his portion. Notice I said of Nazareth, not Jesus the living word, but Jesus of Nazareth. And then we come through the Gospels, and those that wrote the Gospels, they lived out their part of the word. And then we come on over to the Apostle Paul and all his writings, and, and he did and accomplished his part of the word, and the church went on out. But now we're all the way over at the back of the book, and the book of Revelation is the bride's book. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be somebody with ears to hear what God is saying to the churches in the last age and to live out this last part. And all the way over in Revelations 18, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and whosoever will, let him come. He and there's a thirst, let him come and drink. So consequently, we now that's part of our this very program you're watching. We're, we're part of that voice, not the only voice, but part of that voice saying, Come. And it come, come and drink. What of the revealed word of Jesus Christ to your day? Because that's where the living waters are. That's where the life is that will bring forth what God wants in this age. God has always sent a word to an age to produce what he wants in that age. Because the word is a seed. And so God sowed a seed through uh, Luther that brought forth a people that no longer recognized it was the works that the Roman church was telling them they had to do to go to heaven but rather that Jesus paid it all but, it, but the word raised the faith for them to see the work of Calvary and then Wesley came along he didn't discount justification by faith as that Luther preached, but rather he saw there was an additional work whereby the Word of God and the blood of God can sanctify us, cleanse us from certain desires that are contrary to the life of Christ. And it isn't you must do this and you must do that. It's not laws. It's the very life of Christ comes into the individual and brings that out. But then still that manifestation of the supernatural of, of them still wasn't there in the church. Individuals had it. We read about it historically. And it says that Luther had all nine spiritual gifts working in his life. But what about the rest of the congregation? And what about the, the Methodist congregation? They, they had little spots here and there. So God had to demonstrate the, the very presence of the Spirit of God, and that was the Pentecostal movement. And we see the gifts of the Spirit now on mass display and all, all the uh, divine healing and, and the revival that took place. Uh, it started in the early 1900s, then it had a secondary revival, which actually was sparked by William Branham's ministry, starting in 1947 on up to about 1957, and then began to die down from there. And then out of that came the charismatic move uh, where the people had seen a life that wasn't in their denominational churches, and they were trying to draw draw to that, but they didn't. Uh, they, you can't get a hold of what God is doing without getting a hold of the Word that's producing it in each age, and so that's what we're trying to share with you. We we offer books, we offer tapes, we offer videos, we offer all kinds of things to help you get a hold of the Word that God has sent in this age to produce the life that God wants produced to bring what we would call rapturing grace or rapturing faith because no other age has had to have the faith for a change in the body. But Corinthians promises that there be an, uh, Corinthians 15 will be a, a people who will without tasting death be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at, a, at this great last trump. And of course that's the last part in Thessalonians of the three phases of the rapture, which is the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with, the, with a shout, with a voice, and with a trump. Friends, of some of you that haven't heard this, this may shock you, but this very message we're preaching that God delivered through the ministry of William Branham, his prophet to this age, it is the shout 
of the three phases of the rapture. And so it is a message sweeping the world to pull the people back to the Word of God. And not, not back to a system, not back to a church, back to the Word of God. And when people look at us or talk to us and we talk like we do about William Branham, they say, oh, they're, they're Branhamites, they're following William Branham. No, that's not true at all. We, God, by grace, has opened our eyes to see that his ministry was fulfilled scripture, right. stepped right out of the pages sure of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so God took a portion of the Bible, anointed it, brought it out, and manifested it in flesh. And that's what we're following. If I couldn't find the ministry of William Branham in scripture, then I would know he was just a mightily anointed man of God, like any other mighty evangelist. But not so. He's fulfilling scripture. So we are full, following then fulfill scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's the very thing we're trying to share with you. We've got about a minute and a half left. Paul, Jeff, want to say anything well, to the people? Well, I, I would like to just quickly ask Paul, I know we don't have very much time, but if you can do it in a short time, how did you come to know that you were called to the ministry? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> in a minute, uh, we were part of a house group and uh, we realized as things developed, and if I can use that word evolved, yep. that we realized that we needed to come into a little more uh, order according to the word. And we as a group we covenanted that we would come together uh, on a Wednesday night service. We were going to pray, we were going to fast, and we were going to ask that the Amen. Lord would uh, reveal to us who our pastor was. And I was already tithing to a brother that was taking responsibility for the leadership of the group. We were meeting in his house. But we came together that night and uh, we, we prayed, the brother prayed, I prayed, I don't know if anyone else did, and after just a very few moments, the sister in the church prophesied. She said, I've called Paul to be your pastor, and he will lead you. And uh, there was another couple of sentences, which I don't remember because I fell right off the sofa. Yep. <laughs> I was kind of trying to kind of do this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I call that the beginning of sorrows, but uh, the, brother, the brother asked me if I accepted that that was of the Lord, and I said, well, if you'll vote me in, then I'll do all that I can. And, uh, and you're in the ministry and today. That's how it's been about 12, 13 years ago. God bless you, my friends. Uh, that was a short version. We'll see you next time. When Brother Paul Moffat was preaching for us in our home church, he did one to fix the nice long title of the living expression of the reflected image. We shortened it to the living expression. And if you want to get a hold of that, I think you'll really enjoy it. He compared to the way that we can look at ourselves in a house of mirrors and it has a big head and, and skinny body or big fat and all these expressions that you can see in a house of mirrors. But nevertheless, the Word of God is a reflector also. And he brings out very clearly that we need to see ourselves in the light of the Word as the only clear, true mirror. Today's program with guest Paul Moffat, How a New Zealand Pastor Found Christ, is available on DVD, as well as a sermon by Pastor Moffat entitled, The Living Expression. To order these DVDs, visit us on the web at globalanswers.us, or write to Global Answers at 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Please remember that we'd like to hear from you. 
comments and questions help us in choosing topics and guests for upcoming programs. Our email address is info at globalanswers.us. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.